0: One of my family's worst nightmares just came true a while ago. I left my mic on while I was singing. (laughs) They didn't let it last long. They all three had panic in their eyes. Just like to keep them awake. So Randy would give you how many days left shopping till Christmas and it'll probably say something 300 and something days next week but I get to tell you you have like two days until you make your New Year's resolution and so uh, if you haven't already started working on it start thinking about it uh, I haven't been one to to uh, really be involved in, in thinking about having a New Year's resolution I've tried a few times uh, in 2017 my New Year's resolution was to come up with a really good New Year's resolution for 2018. <laughs> I decided that I would work on it all year long, really think about it, and it'd be very very productive, uh, very meaningful, that I would develop a really good plan. And then in 2018 came around, I didn't have one. So. I didn't get 2017 or 2018 in. In 2019, I think I decided that I would uh, eat less and run more, but I wrote it down in a hurry, and when I looked at it, I've been eating more and running less all, all year. And so New Year's resolutions aren't, aren't something that I'm particularly fond of uh, because I think it kind of makes me think of what I need to be doing and what I, what I don't need to be doing. Uh, but but for, uh, for some assistance, uh, I, I looked up some uh, interesting New Year's resolutions. I mean, you have your common ones, the ones of uh, uh, going to eat more healthy or stop eating uh, after, after midnight. That, that could be one for some people. Uh, it could be I'm going to start exercising or I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year, uh, which, which that is always difficult for us, I think. We get to the end of January, mid-February, we find ourselves in Leviticus, and then we just kind of taper off. Uh, but here's, here's some ones to think about uh, that I think are, are fairly doable. One person has a, a New Year's resolution to become a plant owner. I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, I've had an oliveira plant for about two years now it's still alive, so I think I could do this one. Sanitize your phone weekly as a New Year's resolution. It's pretty healthy. Uh, This is an interesting one. I just thought it was a good idea more than a New Year's resolution. But anyway, somebody's New Year's resolution is to stop drinking orange juice after they brush their teeth. (laughs) We have some dentists in the house. If you want to ask why does that taste bad after church, you can. Uh, Instead of working out, I'm just gonna find a more accurate scale. This is one I had to look up. Try hydrotherapy. It's where you take a hot shower, then a cold bath. We just call that we have a small hot water heater in our house. (laughs) And this one, uh, it's it's a clever way to say I'm going to be lazy. This year, I'm going to delegate more chores. I think that's mine. Gavin, get ready. And the last one, this year in 2020, I'm gonna make my home more fragrant. I don't know if that was good with good fragrances or bad fragrances, but this person's gonna make their home more fragrant. New Year's is all about, resolution is all about stopping and starting something. You, you think of something that you, you don't want to do anymore and you put it on a list and you say, I'm going to stop doing this. And you work really hard for 365 days or more, like five days, to really stop doing whatever it is you were doing that's on your list that you don't want to do anymore. And, or you try to really start something that's more productive or more healthy or more helpful in your life. And I and I think a lot of us kinda stay away from New Year's resolutions. We kinda laughingly say, Oh, that's just ridiculous. That's just goofy, you know, I'm not gonna make one. And I think secretly what we're saying is is I don't know if I can fulfill it. I don't know if I can do it. Three hundred and sixty five days, that's that's a big commitment, right? And we know there's a struggle. We can't help but identify that within us there's this struggle of of stopping something we shouldn't be doing or starting something that we ought to be doing. I feel like Paul, in Romans chapter 7, was reflecting on his issues with New Year's resolutions. (laughs) I think he probably wrote Romans 7 come the end of January, beginning of February. So let's go read what he had to say in Romans chapter 7. We're going to jump down into verse 14. Romans 7, starting in verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual. But I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it. But it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of the mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. Verse 24, what a wretched man man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our lord now verses 14 through 20 have like 25 uses of the word do whether it's in the form of do not does doing or doing or do or not do i mean paul really kind of kind of just amplifies this fact that he is wrestling with something he should not be doing and he's wrestling with wishing he was doing something he should be doing I talked to the kids not too long ago, to our teens, about this scripture. They know this to be one of my favorite verses because I think we all identify with this concept. I told them, I said, hey, next time you're in trouble and your mom asks you, what in the world were you thinking? Why were you doing that? Just, just quote Romans 7 and see what happens. It probably won't be good, but just say, mom, you know, I, I don't understand why I do what I do. I just do it. And I know I shouldn't be doing it, but I do it anyways. And I know it's wrong to do it, but I just keep doing it. You know, Mom, I want to do what's right. I want to do all the things that are good, like my chores and and, and homework, but I just can't do it. For some reason, the things I know I should be doing, I just don't do. And the things I don't need to be doing, I do those anyways. And that's just waging war going on in me. And it's, it's really not me, Mom. It's sin that does what I don't need to be doing and keeps me from doing what I need to be doing. Or you get pulled over. Officer asks, hey, why were you speeding? Let's see, officer. I don't know why I do what I do. I just keep doing it. I think in both cases, you're either going to be grounded or with a ticket, all right? But there's this concept that's going on. Paul is saying, I am at war within myself, and I am wrestling with trying to stop doing something I know is not good. I've had a New Year's resolution for quite some time, and I'm not fulfilling it, right? And I look around, and there's some good things that I know I should be doing, I should be involved in, I should be helping people, but for some reason, I keep sitting down and not moving. There's this war that's going on. And what I don't think we understand in all of this is how powerful one choice is can be. But most importantly, how much more powerful the consequences of that choice can be. So I have my son, he's going to come and help me real quick. This was a uh, an illustration I saw another youth minister do. You can YouTube, it's pretty neat. So, this right here is gonna represent one choice. You can't really see it from where you are, it's just a small little quick link. Uh, And and, and it represents just one choice. If you were in my class, we'd pass it around and I'd let you hold it and look at it and tell you not to swallow it, all right? Uh, But I'm gonna just hang on to it for right now. But this represents just one choice. You come up to a decision, you come up to a a temptation, something that, that you're trying to figure out whether you should do or not do. Just one choice. And you wrestle with it. And maybe it's a friend that encourages you to do it. Maybe it's, maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's just the culture in which you live in is saying that it's okay. And so you look at that choice. Something's telling you no, but you choose to do it anyways. And you do that one choice. But then... Opportunity presents itself again, a second time. So on a second time, you have this choice, and you've already done it once, and the bad thing is, is you got away with it the first time you did it. Everything was okay. It kind of worked out. And so you start to justify and rationalize based on your previous choice. And so you take these two choices and you put them together. And you wait a little while. And then another choice comes in. And you've done it twice now. And you reflect on how it worked out. Or what maybe mild joy it brought you. Or comfort. Or friends. (laughs) And so you do it again. And before you know it, this choice, which was only one choice, has now become a habit. It has moved from one choice to a habit. And you, you, you kind of just continuously do it, and before you know it, that habit, it then becomes automatic. You wake up, and you instinctively do it. You wrestle throughout your day, but, but it just kind of weaves into your schedule. It kind of weaves into all the things that you're doing. You're thinking about it constantly. And this one choice that was just a choice, then another choice, then another choice has now become a habit. And that habit has become automatic. But it doesn't stay there. Because as you move about your day, as you go about your business it not only becomes automatic, it becomes a part of your identity. And you carry it with you. Everything that you do revolves around it. You start spending money towards it. You start scheduling events and spending time with friends or family around it, that one choice that became two choices, that became a third choice, became automatic, then became a part of your identity. And you think it's who you are. And it's in your nature. And you feel like you can't help but do it. Are you with me so far? But it doesn't stop there that one choice that became a habit that became automatic that became a part of your identity and your nature has now became what you're enslaved to You okay. good. All right. And it's no longer you getting to decide it's no longer you getting to stay where you want to be. It is whatever has enslaved you is taking you wherever it wants to go. I mean, think of some of the habits that we have that have, have become consuming of our time, of our space, of our energy, of our resources. You don't get to decide. it. So, so on a kind of an easy, comical level, I mean, I, I like coffee all right and I drink a lot of it and it's become a habit to drink it every morning and it's become automatic that I need it it's become a part of my identity why do I know that because I've got like a hundred dollars in gift cards this Christmas for Starbucks <clears throat> I have not had my coffee this morning I might look a little grumpy And about 11.30, 12 o'clock, if I don't get my coffee, I'm going to have a headache. I'm not deciding when to drink coffee. My brain is telling me I need it now. I've become dependent on it. It was one choice that became another choice that became another choice that became a habit that became automatic that became a part of my identity of who I was and what I do that became in my nature. Paul talks about it's in my nature that I keep doing these things that I don't want to do. It's in my nature that I want to do what's right but I don't do it anyways. And then he talks about being enslaved to sin. I want to tell you this real quick. Not all habits or addictions are equal. Okay? There are some habits and some addictions that, that, that are far harder to get out of than any others. But they all equal the same thing. Which is allowing something else other than God, to decide what you do and where you're at and what you're doing with your resources and your time and your energy. Right now, Gavin has no control. I outweigh him about by 60 pounds if I was not being honest. (laughs) Okay? I can't do math that quick, but we're going to say 60. He couldn't do anything. I'm in control. But it started with a choice, and once we're here, guys, I have to say it's hard. You can just stand right here, buddy. Once we're here, I have to say it's, it's pretty difficult to get out of this situation. And, and I want to say something real quick. I want to say when, when we look at people and we see them over there and we see them caught in their, in their sin or in their addiction or in their habits and we look at them from a distance and we kind of cross our arms and, and kind of glance over there and we say, I don't know why they have that issue. I don't understand why they're dealing with that. I heard a minister once say, what's that sentence starting off with? I don't know. The issue is me. I don't understand what they're going through, so I need to get in there and get involved and understand, okay? But also, I can't sit over here and say, well, they chose that. Because in all honesty, I don't think people wake up and say, I want to be addicted to filling the blank. I think before we know it, we find ourselves here. But that doesn't mean we woke up one day with that being our goal. Because it started with a choice. A choice living in a culture and in an environment that's very tough. And as Paul speaks. people in Rome which was a very tough difficult culture he's saying I get you I get how it's hard and once we're here it's it's quite difficult to just pull ourselves out in fact sometimes I don't even know if we can not by ourselves not not at all in fact when we're caught in slavery there's no us getting ourselves out of slavery scripture speaks to that constantly Not to mention, there's stuff going on when we make choices and we continue a a behavior over and over and over again. For instance, when I was about 15 years old, my my parents bought a Jeep. Uh, It's the Jeep that I, I still own to this day. It's a 97 Jeep Wrangler. They bought it, it, Was it was a family car. Uh, it wasn't much of a family car. It's a four-cylinder, small, little car. We we bought it and we drove from here to Michigan right after we bought it. And it had no radio, it was a nightmare. Uh, and, and when I was 15 years old, it, I could use it whenever I wanted. But at that time, when you're 15 years old, you, you had to have somebody Uh, of age to ride with you they've changed the laws but back then i think it just had to be an 18 year old with a valid driver's license and a pulse those were the three main things you had to have so my buddy and i would always get his older sister who had just turned 18 to go with us anywhere we wanted to go Well, this one particular night it had been raining a little bit that day and so it's a jeep it's four-wheel drive Never mind it still had stock tires on it, it was, it's poor choice, I know. We decided to go mudding. And we went with what, I, what I thought was still on Bowles Children's Home Property where I lived. And we were driving around one night and there was this one part that was kind of full of, of mud. And it wasn't very long, it wasn't very wide, but you could just kind of gun it and just go sliding through it and it was fun. Now, now, never mind, this Jeep is brand new, six months old at the most. When we got it, it had six miles on it. It's not in my name. Me, my buddy, and his older sister are just driving through it. We're about to go home, and I think just one more pass through this mud. One more, one more just, just fun little spin out. Let's just do it one more time. And as we go, I'm driving it, and all of a sudden I feel my tires just kind of shift over and just kind of drop. And all four tires are spinning and just spinning. I get out, and I look. My four tires are all in these ruts, and the center of my Jeep is on solid dirt. I'm high-centered. There's no pushing that out. And so we got to get some help. And we, we leave, we walk, we, we, we keep walking. There's my parents' house. I walk past that to my youth minister's house. I called my dad on my youth minister's house phone, thinking that would keep me alive. (laughs) My dad told me to come pick him up. My youth minister also had a Jeep, so we took it out there. That thing wasn't budging. In fact, to this day, there's still this little dent on my bumper from where we hooked up to try to pull it out. The next day, we would get it out after we got a tractor stuck. Then we paid for a record service. But we got out there. My dad was pretty upset. I knew that because he was a preacher, and he usually talked a lot, and he was really quiet. The youth minister said, hey, do y'all want to ride home? I said, yeah, sure. My dad says, no, we don't. It was a pretty long walk that night. He just asked me three questions. And it was around what I did wrong and what am I going to do right. But here's the reality. In that moment when I was driving, I thought I was in control. But once I slid over into those ruts, there wasn't no going back. What's crazy is our mind, our brain works just like that. There's these neural pathways that take place in our brain that, that when we do a behavior, it kind of creates a little rut. And we do it again, it creates a deeper rut. And again, even a more deeper rut, okay? Over and over again, that neural pathway knows where it's going before it's even gotten there. Because we've created these ruts. And we can't help but slide into it. There's a reason why, why doctors will help help you with prescribing psychotropic medication is because that medication is kind of like sand that's filling in those ruts to help you reroute. Okay? To help you reroute so you can help change that behavior and create new neuropathways. It's difficult to get out of that but I'm reminded of a story. There's this man. He's kind of in chains. In fact, these chains that, that he is in have been even broken so many times because nothing can really hold him because that's not really what he's enchained by. That's not what he's enslaved by. Am I pulling too hard, bud? Okay. So Jesus, somehow knowing this, gets his disciples and they head over to the other side of the, of the sea and they, they get out of their boat and they head to this really dark, and foggy area full of tombstones. And out of it comes this man who's enslaved by demons. The writer doesn't tell us how he got there. It doesn't tell us what choices He made. Uh, the, The disciples don't sit back and say, well, look, He probably did this on His own. He's got to deal with it now. That's not the conversation that takes place. The conversation that takes place is that Jesus comes in and He heals this man. He sends the demons away and the man is set free to live and share the Gospel. Thank you, buddy. So how do we get there? Paul, in Romans, he writes systematically. If you look at different paragraphs after paragraphs, there's this therefore and then, now because of, therefore then, now there. All right? It's just constant. He's writing systematically. In other words, he's continuously building a case. My professor in college, he said, he said uh, if you get Romans, God gets you. Because Romans, Paul is building this case for Christ and the need for Christ and what Christ has done. So let's just go backwards just a little bit because in chapter 7, he presents this problem of I'm doing something I don't want to do and I don't want to do things I ought to be doing. All right, here we go. Chapters 5, let's go to chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 6 through 6, 7, and 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. Verse 8, but God demonstrates... His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were in slavery, Christ died for us. One of the things that that can help us go from, from the point of being stuck, doing something we don't need to be doing, or start doing something we need to be doing, is to recognize what Christ has done. If we recognize and understand and really grasp the fact how much grace, like Coach said in his prayer, that we get because of what Christ did for us, freedom starts to come into our lives. While we were yet sinners. Not when you got it all together. Not when you freed yourself from it. Not when you, you were making all the right choices. It was when you were caught in slavery. When you were at your worst. Later on in chapter 5 he'll finish. And where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. I love redemption stories. I, I love watching movies that have, have where a, a, and maybe a father and a son who, who are separated for, for some kind of some, some wrongdoing or something that's taking place and they come together. Or when people are on the opposite ends of the spectrum and they don't like each other and there's anger and there's hate and then they unite for something. I love those moments and those stories. Those, those movies will get my allergies going really bad and my eyes start to water from it. This is the redemption story. That when you were at your lowest, when you were at your worst, God sent his son and saved us. Even when we were caught in our sins and transgressions, he pulled us out. We need to recognize Christ. And then he goes on. Let's move to chapter 6. You can see the systematic writing of Paul take, take place here in chapter 6. What shall we say then? Into this response that sin increased, grace increased. Into the response that Christ died for us even when we were sinners. What shall we say to this? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Another word for this, another phrase in verse 2 is not just by no means. It's like no, 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 no way. No way! Because we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism and into His death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a what? A new life. So we need to recognize what Christ did in chapter 5. In chapter 6, we need to recognize our identity. That we are dead to sin. That this is not us. This right here, this isn't me. These chains that hold me down in sin and slavery, that's not who I am. I've died to this. That I can wake up in the morning no matter what I've done in the past and I can look in the mirror and say, I'm dead to that. Because of what God has done through Jesus. And when I was baptized, I was buried into that death. And when I was raised up in baptism, I was raised up into a new life. So we need to recognize what Christ did and we need to recognize that our identity is dead to sin and and, in a new life given by him. Which brings us then to chapter 7, which is, he says, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't want to do with the things I do. You know, the 25 times he says the word do, we need to recognize what it is we're doing or what it is we're not doing that we need to be doing. We need to name it. We need to say it. I believe Paul doesn't put it here in Scripture because as the reader reads it, I think he wants it to, to bring out whatever they're doing that they don't need to be doing. I think he wants us to have some self-examination. So what is it you're doing? And here's the beauty of it. It's easier to come to this point of of recognizing what you're doing when you know what Christ has done for you and you know that you've been brought into a new life my dad preached a sermon about about Peter walking on water and when he steps out into that boat and he goes out into the sea and he starts seeing the the waves and the winds around him as he starts to sink and he yells out Lord save me then Jesus takes his hand and he pulls him up if Randy was here, he would say, this lesson, portion of the lesson is brought to you by the letter A. My dad would preach three A's to that. you got to admit. Admit what you're dealing with. Admit that you're sinking. Admit that you're struggling with something. You might need to admit it to a friend, to a family member, to a counselor, to a minister, to one of our elders. You've got to admit it. You've got to call it out. You've got to give it a name. And then you got to ask for help. Peter looks at him and says, please, Lord, help me. And that help may come in different forms and fashions. Depending on what you're struggling with, depending on your habit or your addiction, help could just be talking with a friend and them encouraging you. Help could be be talking with a, a, a counselor or a doctor. Help could even be going to a place where they'll help you with your schedule, and your time, with your medical issues, and love on you until you can find some peace from whatever's holding you down. So you've gotta admit, and you've gotta ask for help, but the third one is, is you gotta accept that help. When you own up to what you're doing, when you own up to what it is you have, you ask for help, and you, and, you, and you accept that help, because the power is in you. and that's back to that one choice. Let's go to chapter eight, verses five through six, five, five and six. So after he talks about, "I do what I don't want to do and I don't want to do the things I do. Verse 5, he says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what the na- nature desires. But those who live in accordance to the Spirit have their mind set on the Spirit desires. The mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So in chapter 8, kind of first full circle he says you need to recognize choice that you need to choose to focus on things of the spirit again it starts here and with that one choice kind of pulled in different directions we make about 30,000 choices a day i don't know what all those are i forget most of my choices But thirty thousand decisions a day, and if we if we focus in on the spirit and what the spirit desires, then our choices, that one choice, will continuously line up to how we're supposed to live and who God has called us to be. It's not that easy. It's not that easy looking at, at something that you need to overcome, something that you need to do, uh, or something that you need to stop doing. And New Year's resolutions kind of, kind of, I think, really kind of freak us out a little bit because it really kind of makes us look inside and say, what is it we're, we need to change? And changing things in our, our lives are kind of hard. Making decisions to do something better for ourselves seems kind of hard at times. And making decisions to stop doing something that, that is not good or healthy for us is difficult. And so this time of season, is, as, as America starts looking at New Year's resolutions, there's a part of me that wants to kind of just push that away because I don't want to dive in to say, okay, what does Jared need to, need to change? And where do I need to focus in on the spirit? Because, quite honestly, if I do look and I see what, what God wants me to change, I, I kind of wonder, do I have the power and ability to overcome that? Back in chapter 5, I need to recognize what Christ has done. He gives me that power. And He gives me His people to help me. When you're hiking a pretty large mountain, You look up at it from the base and you kind of have this moment of like how in the world am I going to get up there? At least I do. How am I going to carry this backpack of weight all the way up that mountain that's over 14,000 feet up there? And it's pretty simple. You don't focus on the big mountain ahead of you. You focus on that one step in front of you, that one choice. Part of the, the problem with New Year's resolutions is we get focused on the big mountain in front of us. instead us say that one choice for today. As I was thinking about this lesson, I was thinking of this that's, that's back there on the Welcome Center. It's Naomi Bassett's. Thing that she reads every morning. And I made more copies so you, you all can have it, but I'll, I'll, I want to read the first one and the last one. Just for today, I will live through this day only and not set far reaching goals to try to overcome all of my problems at once. I know that I can do something for 24 hours that would appall me if I had to keep it up for a lifetime. And then the last one, she writes, Just for today, I will be unafraid. I will gather the courage to do what is right and take responsibility for my own actions. I will expect nothing from the world, but I will realize that as I give to the world, the world will give to me. Just for today. What choices do you need to make? What things do you need to change today? Not this year, but today. And I want to remind you, the big punchline in Romans 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 is that there is now no condemnation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. A buddy of mine said, every morning you can wake up, no matter what you've done, no matter your past, no matter the things that you're dealing with, and you can look in the mirror and say, now there's no condemnation for you, Jared, because you are in Christ Jesus. If you need any help, this is the place to get it. I pray that you have a, a wonderful New Year's. I pray as you hear the things about New Year's resolution, it'll it'll make your mind wonder a little bit of what, what is you need to change. What are some things that you're dealing with and guys, if there's some pretty hard stuff in there, admit it. Ask for some help. And accept the help you got. Please come as we stand and staying if you need.